Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. If you have a child that's three or older, chances are they have already interacted with the internet. It could be through your phone, watching YouTube, unboxing videos, or playing apps that are connected through your iPad or phone. Even if they haven't had much experience on the internet, they will. It's a part of our world today. So how will you make sure they are prepared for life online, particularly when most of us adults, parents, carers today weren't using the internet until their teen years at the eldest. Colette Smart is a psychologist and author of They'll Be Okay, a book that aims to equip parents with the skills to help bring their child safely into the digital world. Hi, Colette. How are you? Hi. Good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Now, we we have touched on on this, you and I, but I should um, preface this interview by saying that your book is not just about the digital world. It's about all kinds of different Difficult conversations. Yes. Um, but we're going to hone in on this one because it's a major fear of mine. <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the and only most parent. parents. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Even when your children are small. Yes. Um, but let's backtrack a bit because you have an introduction to your book that kind of sets up how to have conversations about these difficult things. And you start by speaking about parenting styles. Why is it important? Uh, to know what your parenting style is and to kind of have the right approach with that in the internet age with our children? Uh, Parenting styles are important, I think, because um, to know yourself as a parent or know why you're making the decisions that you do uh, helps you to think ahead, I think, and and consider uh, why am I putting these boundaries in place? Am I just doing it because my mother did it with me? Um, Or or is this something that I'm just... uh, saying because uh, I've heard other people say it or, or is there an underlying reason? And so when I talk about parenting styles, I just talk about the the common ones uh, that we know of in psychology and parenting. So in psychology, uh, we look at different parenting styles. Uh, there are others that pop up and down uh, or pop in and out of the internet. Uh, you'll see, but the three that we recognize at the moment are authorita- authoritarian, authoritative and permissive parenting. Now, uh, your authoritarian parent is the parent who is uh, very strict. Uh, everything's about their rules. It's my way or the highway. And you do what I say um, and you don't really have any say in the matter as a child. It's the, it's the old uh, children should be seen and not heard kind of idea. Uh, permissive parents uh, can be quite uninvolved with their children um, to the extent that children almost bring themselves up. So the children kind of decide on what rules work for them or or parents will put in rules and then it's just too hard and and they kind of leave it at that uh, and let the children make the decision. So the authoritative parent is the parent who is uh, warm and loving and open to their child's ideas, but they also have boundaries. So there's boundaries and there's consequences. And both of those aspects of authoritative parenting makes your children feel safe. Uh, Children feel safe when they loved and and there's a warm, responsive relationship, but they also feel loved when there's boundaries uh, around certain things that they do, even in technology. So permissive parenting still works in the in the digital realm right so um and and what you say and as you you touched on there is that authoritative parenting is the way we want our parents to look at 
the internet age. Yes. Obviously, because we want our children to respect our opinion when it yes. comes to what we do and don't want them to do. Um, okay, so that's parenting styles. You also mentioned that having a parenting mantra is a good idea. I must admit my experience of mantras <laughs> is all in Sanskrit that I, and I haven't got one yes. for that very reason. What do you see as a parenting mantra? So I think uh, parenting mantra is really, it just comes out of uh, the values you hold as a parent. So I almost even take it a step back in my book where I say, Think about your values uh, and your value system as a family. Pick perhaps three values. You'll have many, but pick three that are the most important to you. So does your family value kindness? Do they value courage? Do they value honesty? And then use those as part of all your conversations or many of your conversations. Then your parenting mantra comes out of that. So for me, my parenting mantra is parent with your child's future adult in mind. The reason why it's helpful for me to have a parenting mantra is when I make decisions around anything I do as a parent, I keep thinking, why am I doing this? Uh, And does this kind of fit in with my parenting mantra and my values? Well, yes, I'm making this decision because I'm thinking of my child's future adult. So rather than just giving in to the screen tantrum or, or the shopping mall tantrum now because it's easier, and it is easier. Believe me, sometimes it feels easier. <laughs> and and it's not that we, we don't sometimes because we're not perfect and sometimes we're tired, but it's looking at what is this child's future adult going to look like if I just say yes to everything because it's just too hard. So that's where we come back to the authoritative parenting style where we're actually uh, still putting boundaries in place because we know our child's future adult is at stake and we know it's for their good and for their well-being. So that's why, why we do that. We'll be back with Colette in just a moment. The Parent Panel is now 100% podcast, so you can listen to your favourite parents and laugh along anytime, anywhere. My two daughters have looked at me and said, there are sharks everywhere. I went, oh, they're reef sharks, darlings. They're vegans. (laughs) I am guilty of handing over a iPad and saying, hey, watch this. Holy moly, it is so hard. Search for The Parent Panel on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. As I mentioned earlier, most of your book is about conversations and how um, we can talk to our kids about important topics. And of course, when it comes to the internet, one of the things that many parents of young children are worried about is them coming across something like pornography, something that's inappropriate for them to see, maybe something violent, something that disturbs them. Um, Now, when I was a kid, my parents put the Where Did I Come From book on my bed Yes. And sorry, <laughs> mum and dad, but I didn't read it. <laughs> I don't think any of us did. That's the thing. <laughs> I was I was so embarrassed. I, was, I literally took the back, book back and put it on their bed and not a word was said. How has that conversation changed today? So the conversation has changed because it's had to. Uh, kids now have things shoved in their faces more than ever before. We're all connected, even adults, we're connected 24 hours a day, seven days a week if we want to be or or we can be. And our children stumble across things on parents' phones or parents' computers very innocently at at young ages. Uh, I'm getting more and more reports 
of children around eight or nine having been exposed to pornography. Bearing in mind that is usually accidental, but it can be very traumatic for kids. And they often don't tell their parents because they, they, they either don't understand it, it's confusing, or they're afraid they'll get into trouble. Uh, and so yeah, it, it really is something that we, we actually have to now have these conversations earlier in age-appropriate ways, but we must have these conversations. And children, uh, even though many of the listeners, your children are very young, be encouraged to know that a lot of the research is coming out to say children and young people actually regard their parents as their sexuality role models, even teenagers, believe it or not. So the reason why it's important for us to start early in those conversations is Things don't become taboo in your home. If you start doing it, having these conversations at, you know, three, four, five, it's just what happens in your house. Those words aren't weird or strange. And kids pick up what not to speak about when we don't talk about something. So they think, oh, my parents are embarrassed or, or they don't know because they've never brought that up. And so we, we must be talking about these issues. And it can be scary too for yes. younger kids, can't it? If, yes, if, People are talking about it at school or in the playground or throwing about words like, oh, you don't know what this means. Absolutely. And so they feel silly. Um, the key there, I think, of course, is the words age appropriate, which yes. can be very confusing. Yes, it is. And you also mentioned sort of ages around three because that's when kids can talk and ask questions and they want to know what's going on. Yes. How do you find what's age appropriate at that age? So uh, obviously we do, you know, as parents, we do reading our and talking to other parents, finding out what other parents are, are doing and talking to their kids about. Uh, bearing in mind, we as parents usually think our children are more unaware or more naive than they actually are. Uh, however, we can often just gauge by some of the questions that our children begin to ask or, or conversations they start to have with us or things they bring up. We can be led by that with, with many children. Uh, with our young children, the minute your child begins language and you start naming body parts, you use the co correct terms for their genitalia because, uh, you know, we don't use the cutesy, silly words because we name them what they are and they become comfortable with using that. That also is, is known to protect children in some circumstances from abuse when they actually can name things that have been suggested to them or things they've seen. Uh, and then with little children, teaching body boundaries around private body parts and uh, what's under your swimmers and the places you wash, make those very natural. Your children, out of those conversations, uh, will often start to ask you questions about your body and their body, uh, their siblings' bodies, their friends' bodies. Uh, you know, when, they, when they're standing next to a friend at preschool in the bathroom, there's nothing weird or creepy about them being uh, curious. They're just as curious as their friend's eye color at that age. Um, obviously, if there's very adult terminology or adult actions in little children, that's when warning signs um, will, you know, go off in our heads but the general curiosity is absolutely normal at that age and so bearing in mind though some children don't ask and so if we feel like our child is hanging back and we think oh they should have asked these questions by now I've got three children and one of mine was like that and we were the same with all our kids but one held back and so with that child, I, I realized it's about time they started asking. They haven't asked. And I started approaching the topic and saying, have you ever wondered 
uh, where where um, Auntie Susie's baby came from, or how it got in her tummy, and and then that child could go. Um, Yes, yes, mummy, I have wondered. <laughs> and, it, and it opened it up, the conversation up for us. Yeah. Um, I know in the introduction to your book, you do suggest some picture books for different topics. So does that mean that you see sometimes that books can be a way into those conversations? Yes, definitely. Especially with little children, it's a very powerful medium. It's not the leaving the book on their bed and hoping they'll, you know, look at the pictures or read it themselves. Books can be vehicles for our language. It gives us words to say say that we know have been analysed or or made in age-appropriate ways. Then we sit and we snuggle up with our children, uh, with them on our lap or or at night just before bedtime. The warmth and the closeness with a parent makes them feel safe. And this topic is a safe topic. And uh, children learn through characters. They learn through the characters in stories and books. And that is how we can start to ask them what they understand. So one of the, the, the ways we also gauge how much to talk to children is ask them questions about uh, something they un- understand uh, in a book. Or if they've asked us something, ask them a question back to see how much detail they're actually looking for before we launch into giving this whole massive um, you know, vocabulary that they weren't ready for. Uh, Ask probing questions about what they mean about a question, and then you will start to see what they're really asking. I love that because in in your book, the example, uh, when I I read that example, I thought, that is so true because if your child comes up and asks, asks you a question that's sexual in nature, your mind automatically goes, oh my goodness, what have they seen? (laughs) Yes. Oh, I'm going to have to explain that this is pornography and what pornography is, and maybe all that it is is something that they're curious about that has nothing to do yes. with what you've assumed. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And we often we often assume the worst or, or we get completely stressed out. Uh, I also have to say to parents, if you f- find your child has asked you a question and then you, you go away for a, a while, an hour or a day, and you think, oh, goodness, I answered that badly, or I realized they were asking more and I, I should have said and, and I was too nervous. and Because we, we don't know how to do this, our generation, because – this isn't how we were brought up. So we're learning this. And so if you've messed up, it's okay. Your children don't remember the one-off terrible conversation or, or poorly framed conversation you had with them. They actually remember the overall conversations throughout their life. They remember the relationship. They remember that you were open for them to come up to talk about anything. So then you go back to your child and you say, you know what, mommy or daddy, we were we were thinking about what you asked us yesterday and I realized I didn't say enough about that. Uh, this is actually what I think now. Uh, with little children, they're often ready to, to chat there and then uh, some of them might be busy playing and you say, when we sit in bed tonight, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that. I've had some more thoughts on that. Uh, and so come back to the conversation. It's not a one-off conversation that you're going to have. That is such a relief. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I often come back to how I explain religion to my kids, which just went completely trying to answer it on the way to school, drop off, <laughs> thinking 
But and, and also an interesting point about that discussion about religion when it comes to conversations is, is that my husband and I have very different ideas about religion. And so I was trying to counteract what he had said instead of necessarily answering their question. And it just went tangential, hallucinogenic. It was not going anywhere helpful. And I, at the time I thought my children are going to be so messed up. So it's nice to know that we have yeah. that opportunity to, to say I messed up or, oh, you know what, I, I was trying to answer you and I just wasn't answering very well and I hadn't thought about it. Or or if your kids ask you a question, say, you know what, mummy hasn't thought about that really, that kind of answer before. Can you give me some time and I'll go and check that up for you and then I'll come back and then make sure you do. Um, but also you just speaking there about uh, different parents' um, ideas, in some of the central values, uh, that is when I think parents need to decide what they they jointly are going to say about some of the bigger topics so that you on the same page that it's not too confusing for kids however there are some topics that it's actually okay to have different opinions in your home that's important for kids to know that sometimes there isn't a clear-cut answer the world isn't always black and white and that's also all right for them to know that the other part about the ongoing conversation that I like is I think many parents like myself are very concerned with keeping our children safe, yes. not just on the internet, but with other relations in their life. Um, and there's been a lot of information come back to us about abuse and that it's not the creepy stranger at the yes. end of your street. It might be, but most often they're not someone you know and trust. And so that idea of empowering our children uh, with individual body safety, every so often I almost have a panic attack and think, have I said, have, have I had that conversation with my son? Have I, have I done it? Are they, are they exposed? But essentially what you're saying is that it's an ongoing conversation. Yes. It's coming yeah. back to it whenever it's appropriate. Yes, absolutely. And so you ask your, your young children, your uh, primary age children, your teenagers even, you keep talking about body safety to them because it will look different at the different ages and stages. But something uh, that, that I often recommend is when children come back from, uh, say, a sleepover, even at a family member's house or a neighbor's house that you trust, don't say to them, oh, were you good? Uh, say to them, uh, how was yesterday? Or how was last night? Was there, what did you, what do you, you enjoy about last night is there anything that made you feel uncomfortable just open it up so that they can talk about anything and you know it could be well uh you know grandpa got a bit grumpy last night that's all right you know we just we, it's not about being suspicious of every family member because generally family members are, are a wonderful uh they can be wonderful mentors and and they family members are a beautiful part of our children's lives it's just giving children teaching children in language that even if grandma wants to kiss them 10 times on their cheek at christmas they can still say no grandma that's enough uh please stop you know that teaches them they have authority over their own bodies and even our hugs or our tickles or our wrestling and and rough and tumble play children can say no to that uh that gives them body uh, body safety and body awareness. Uh, rough and tumble play is actually a fantastic way for children to learn uh, body boundaries. It's a good way for healthy touch. But some children hate rough and tumble play. And so we must be okay if those kids go, I don't like that game. I don't want to play. And then, then we stop. And look, finally, this is more about parents than um, children. But when we talk about body safety or what, you know, this is, I don't, stop, I don't like it, that kind of thing. Um, how important is it for us to, 
to be strong about our boundaries with our kids. So um, my daughter's developed this habit of wanting to suck my arm. And I absolutely hate it. I love it a bit. So like, kiss me, do whatever you yes. want. Jump on me, lie on me when it's 40 degrees heat. I will put up with it. But do not suck my arm. Yes. <laughs> that's very. That's actually a very valid point. I think our children also learn body boundaries from us. So we can say to them, uh, I, I love your hugs and I love your cuddles, uh, but please don't do that. that or lick that makes me. me. Yes, please don't <laughs> lick me. It makes me feel uncomfortable because I, I think you wouldn't like it if people licked you or, you know, it's not. It's important for them to know they can't just go lick children on the playground. And <laughs> So they actually learn a lot of those behaviors at home with their families and so, absolutely, I think it's legitimate for parents to have their own boundaries. Because often, and especially children. mothers don't. Yes. We, we kind of let our children just take our bodies yes. as they, and do what they will. Yep. And, and I think it's important for mums to feel like they have uh, their own private space around them sometimes. You know, that's not rejecting your children. Uh, that is also teaching them healthy boundaries for women. Look, there's a lot more we can talk about. We'll have to bring you back another time. Colette, thank, thank you so you. much for coming in. Thanks for having me. That's Colette Smart, psychologist and the author of They'll Be Okay. We'll pop links up to the book on our website. Just head to babyology.com.au forward slash Feed Play Love. Feed Play Love is a babyology podcast produced by Elise Cooper and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. You can get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.